Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. My name is Gabe Phillips. We are in a season of uh, faith and move the mountain faith here at Life Changes and it's really, really exciting. I am one of the pastors here at Life Changes. More importantly, I am a husband to Fiona and a dad to Olivia Grace which is uh, one is my highest privilege in the world uh, to be a dad and a husband, but a huge privilege to also be on staff here, part of what God is doing at Life Changes. But really, really exciting as we traverse these exciting days as Life Changes, and as we say, God, what have you got for us? Not just um, as individuals, but as a corporate family. We believe God has called us to big things, and we really are trusting that this season, this preaching, is not just a series we're doing, but actually is shifting things in our hearts. We're really trusting that God is doing stuff I know He's doing in my heart. I pray He's doing it in your heart as well. That uh, for you and I, we're saying we're wanting to not just walk around the same mountains again and again and again, year in, year out. But actually, we are getting confidence and courage to stare our mountains straight in the face and say, Who are you, O great mountain? And see them fall and become plains or molehills before our God. We are believing that this is what God has got for us in this season. And we really do believe, we really do believe that the greater, that, that the latter is greater than the former. I really do believe that. I really do believe for you and I that what's in front of us is better than what's behind us, that actually our past will not have the loudest voice over where you and I are going, but Jesus will have the loudest voice. Are you awake out there, everybody? Come on. Good, good. It's good. It's good to preach to you this morning. Very, very exciting. And I'm so excited for this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Acts chapter 16 is where we're going. We're going to be reading a scripture together. If you're wondering why we stand, we stand because we are not just mere spectators. Spectators are not good in church. We are participators in the Word of God. And I'm trusting that God is going to shift things as we read uh, His Word together. Acts chapter 16, it starts in verse 22. It says this, A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Welcome to church. It's a nice one to start reading. It's no Psalm 23 this morning. Verse 23 goes on and says, They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, your word has highest authority here in this church. I thank you, God, above the rants of a redhead, that your word would take root in people's hearts and would shift us from where we are to where you would have us be. So I thank you, Father God. Come and have your way this morning with us. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Before you sit, before you sit, before you sit, this morning, uh, a few weeks ago, I did a wedding, an Afrikaans wedding, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I know that. And I was the, the only soti there. So I had to get the people in. And I did it with this story that a few years ago, Bobby Skinstad, if you remember him, as if you're a rugby fan, he was the, the first English rugby player to captain the Stellenbosch, the Marty's team. Did you know that? True story. Bobby Skinstad was the first English, the first Saudi to do it. You know, and I don't know if that's a, a offensive to say, bad word, but I, I'm claiming for myself, so it's fine. But he was going to be captain of this team. And uh, Bobby was a man who could not speak much Afrikaans. And he was also a man that was not a religious of, much, of, any, of any nature. And before the game, the first game where he was captain, they, they called the team in off their warm-up, and they all G'd up and ready to go. And they got in a circle, and all of them holding each other tightly. And the coach looked at Bobby and Bobby said, Bobby. Kormon's bit. Bobby, not really knowing what was going on, looked around with wild eyes and went, Rah! And they all went, Rah! Together, the team got all excited again and pumped up and beat each other's chests and then settled down eventually. And then the coach said, Yes, yes, yes. But Bobby, Kormon's bit. Bobby still didn't really know what was going on. So for a second time, went, Rah! And they all G'd themselves up again one more time. All the Martys got going and then they settled down. And a friend eventually whispered to Bobby and said, Bobby, it means you must pray. As I mentioned, Bobby also wasn't a religious fellow. So at that moment, Bonnie, Bo- Bobby panicked and uh, said, the only prayer that came to mind, true story, said, for what we're about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful. So while you take your seats today, can you turn to somebody and say, for what we're about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful. Find somebody and tell them that we're excited to receive this morning. Rah! Come on, it's going to be a good morning in church. A little bit of a background. We picked up that story in Acts chapter 16 with Paul and Silas being beaten, stripped, and thrown in jail. Maybe a bit of a, a rude awakening for you this Sunday morning. But let me give you some background context of why they're finding themselves in that position. They're finding themselves in that position because they have gone on a mission trip to the area called Philippi to go and, and start a new church, a new a group of believers in Jesus Christ to proclaim who Jesus is and see people respond to it. And they've done that. They've met a woman called Lydia, who was a businesswoman. In my head, as I read Acts chapter 16, you'll find her story there. I picture Meryl Streep and Devil Wears Prada. Just my visual image. And, uh, and, and she gets saved. And as they move on, they, they're proclaiming the gospel and preaching. And a woman follows them. And the scripture tells us a slave girl who has made her living out of the occult. She's a, a woman who's been a fortune teller. She's made a living for her slave masters through her, her occultic gift. And as she's walking behind them, uh, pronouncing things of, of, of the enemy towards Paul and Silas, eventually Paul stops and he looks at her and with one word casts the demon out and sets this woman free. The slave girl who's been entrenched in bondage for years gets set free with one word. And the problem though happens is that this rejoicing happens for that girl, but the guys who've made their money out of her obviously now are not too happy. You see, often people don't mind if Jesus is doing good things unless it's when, until it starts touching my money. Then I'm out. Anyway, too, too early to bring that one up. Anyway, but what happens? So these guys get so infuriated that how dare you come against our, the way we've been making money and that's terrible. So they, they cause a, a stir. They get a crowd formed. The crowd gather around. They, they, a mob forms. They bring them to the city officials who are so infuriated by the crowd's demonstrations that they have Paul and Silas stripped, beaten, thrown into prison and left and, and, and guarded by a man, a Roman centurion, who I imagine in my head, if you've seen the movie Longest Yard with Adam Sandler, one of, maybe I'm missing a few people, but one of the sadistic guards who gets pleasure out of their pain. 
sorry, note yourself, use more current reference points. Anyway, I apologize. Just was looking around. I lost a lot of you there. But sorry, we keep going. We keep going. But I love Scripture. Scripture says this. It says, this. It says around midnight. So Paul and Silas are in the deepest, darkest uh, d- dungeon of the prison. They're in the right at the back. is cold. Their wounds are, are sore. They're, they're, they're in pain. And it's, the Bible says around midnight, they start to sing hymns and pray to God. Now, if you read Scripture, there was no, how do they know what time it was? It wasn't because Silas whipped out his iPhone 10 and said, oh, it's midnight now. We should set an alarm and start singing now. No, 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 it didn't happen. They did not have that, those, that luxury in those days. The biblical writers will, when they mention a time, if they say it was the third watch of the night, or if they say around midnight, it was them saying when somebody mentions what uh, was around midnight, for them, midnight was not an exact time. It was more meaning it was the darkest hour of the night. It was the time that, that was furthest away from light on either side of there or there. It's right in the middle of the do- depth of the darkness. It was around that time they started to sing. Now, this morning, I want to hand you and I a weapon, put a weapon inside our hearts that we are able to activate in the season. Because maybe you're sitting here and like Paul and Silas, maybe metaphorically, you've been stripped, stripped of your dignity, your confidence. You're feeling very exposed this morning. Maybe you've been beaten, beaten up emotionally, wave after wave. Life just keeps coming. The bills just keep coming. One thing after another. You just say, I can't take one more hit. I can't do it. Maybe you're sitting here and you've been imprisoned by addictions, guilt of your past, by fear of your future. This morning with confidence, I want to say no matter what your finances, no matter what's going on in your marriage, no matter how crazy your kids are acting, I believe this, this morning that maybe it's midnight for you now. It's about midnight. It feels like the darkest hour of your life right now. Or even maybe for you just not to exclude anyone. Maybe midnight's coming. And I can say that with absolute assurity that if you live long enough, you will bleed. Don't trust me. Jesus prophesied himself. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But blame him. Uh, Life is tough. Life is long and midnight is coming, whether you're in it now or one day it will come. But that is coming, and I want to prepare our hearts for that moment now. I want to say I want to give you a weapon this morning, and it's a weapon called praise. A weapon called praise, and it's a weapon that sees mountains move. So this morning, three points out of this text, and I really pray it brings help and courage to your souls. Point number one, it's on the screen behind me, it says this, from this text, praise brings perspective. Praise brings perspective. You see, Paul and Silas, again, I always get put myself in their shoes or potentially lack of shoes in this prison. But uh, in their situation where I realized, what would I do? Uh, They had every right to moan according to my economy. I look at this situation, I'm going, they should be moaning. Not fair. We've done nothing wrong. Through the the bars. Come on. You put us in here with murderers and, 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 and thieves and brigands. And look, we just guys was preaching the gospel. Not fair, man. Come on. That's what I would have been doing. I would have probably even said, I'm done. Silas, just wake me up in the morning. I can't handle this. This is just too, this is too much for me. I can't deal. But that was not their response because around midnight, we tell by the, told by the scriptures, Silas starts to get confidence and Silas starts to sing, ow. You're the name above all names. Oh, I shouldn't hit the high note. Oof, it's really sore with it. You are worthy of... Come on, Paul, do that harmony you do so well. Come on, man. Paul's like, hey, it's, it's not by Bethel. I'm not singing. No, I'm just sorry. Just, I don't know. You know, maybe... 
I don't know what was going on there, but they started to sing songs that were not response to the circumstance, but were response to something greater in that moment. They weren't singing because it was all good and everything was happy. They were in pain. They were in, they were, they were sore. They were beaten. They were stripped. They were imprisoned. And yet their souls started to sing. Let me tell you this morning, their perspective was so bad, they decided to trade it for another one. I think that's good. Their perspective was so bad. Their outlook of what they faced was so bad. They said, actually, we don't like that outlook. We're going to, put, we're going to try a different view. Here, here's the thing. I believe sometimes we've got the authority that we can get to view things from a different vantage point. The circumstance might not change, but the way we view it does. Yesterday, silly example, I was sitting watching Liverpool win again. I know, it's so tough. Uh, anyway, I was watching him win again. I was sitting on my couch, and as the, as the sun is shining through the curtains, what happens is a glare comes on the screen, and I, my, my view of watching Mohamed Salah score a beautiful goal is, 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 is impeded because I can't see because of the glare. Let me tell you, what I did in that moment was dramatic. It was theologically astute. Are you ready to know what I did? I changed my vantage point. Steep, eh? I went to the other couch, and now I could see. The picture hadn't changed. The story hadn't changed. But where I was watching it from did. Will I watch it from my moaning perspective, or I watch it from my praising perspective? Let me tell you, this is no different from all over Scripture. A man, Asaph, who wrote Psalm 73, one of my favorite Psalms, because it echoes and, and resounds in who I am so well. Psalm 73, paraphrased version, in one line, is a man who is standing up saying, Life's not fair. Psalm 73 is a temper tantrum. It's a guy going, this is not fair. This is a guy who's a godly man saying, I look at the wicked. They get all the glory, all the gold, all the girls, all G's, you know. They get all that and I get nothing. I, I do follow God and I just get slammed on left, right and center. I just, I'm, I'm punch drunk with the, the hits that just keep coming. Life's not fair. That's Psalm 73. You don't even have to go read it now. You've got it. But there's a transition in the middle of it. He sulks for the first half of that scripture, and then he gets to the middle and says, Until I entered your sanctuary, O Lord. The second half changes. His, the situation hasn't changed, but his vantage point has. Praise brings perspective. You see, you and I, we don't praise God because he forgets who he is. Just to let you know, God doesn't have amnesia. He doesn't in the morning go, when we sing, you are good, you are good. Oh, thank goodness they're reminding me. I forgot. I literally almost, angels, I almost forgot that one myself. No, no, no. He doesn't need to be reminded. We need to remind ourselves who he is. He doesn't change, but our fickle hearts do. That's what praise does. It changes our perspective. Here's you and I this morning that I want to tell you that my worst enemy often is me. I give the enemy too much credit when I do the stupid things myself. If you want to know who's lied to you the most, it's you. It's you. You've lied to yourself the most. Can I tell you, I want to empower you and I this morning that your feelings, my feelings don't dictate me. We are not a people who are led by feelings. Uh, a charismatic preacher, I grew up in Zimbabwe and they used to tell me week in and week out, and I say it here quite a bit, but I'll say it again. They got up and an American accent would say, there are two times to praise the Lord. When you feel like it, and when you don't. I remember thinking, that's just so silly. But it's got deep in my soul that actually when I don't feel like it, I go, what's the time? Oh, time to praise the Lord. Because, sir, ma'am, there are two times to praise Him. It's not when your circumstances determines it. It's not whether the keyboard is playing or not whether you've got the right CD in or whether life is going good. Two times to praise Him when you feel like it and when you don't. You see, praise for me is not just a method or a style. 
It's not, it's not a, a fast song or a slow song. It's not that, it's not this, um, you know, a, a method like T-Rex arms, you know? You know when you start to worship and the T-Rex arms come up? We say, lift your hands. And you see people, I'll lift them this high and no further. T-Rex arms. They often come out in the offering as well. I can't reach my pocket. Just let the bucket go. Let the bucket go. Or maybe you thought of a style. You know the style. This, you know the single, single girl style. It's when you've got a guy behind you who's really, really good looking. You let him know that you're single. Lord, look at this ring finger. Just letting you know I'm available for coffee afterwards. It's not a style. Let me tell you that. Praise is. Praise is when you and I posture our hearts. It's not, I can't sing. I don't have the voice. I'm not talking about it at the base level. I'm saying it's when we take hold of our hearts and saying, you will praise him. When we lift our voices and lift our hands and say, despite how I'm feeling, I will sing. I will declare who you are. You see, feelings are a poor master. Too often the books, the TV shows, the, the, the political commentators of our day, they'll get up and they'll say, follow your heart. Can I, can I lean in and say something here? Please don't. Don't follow your heart. Your heart will take you to weird places. Your heart will lead you down apathetic routes. Your heart will take you to the wrong guy, the wrong girl. Your heart cannot be trusted. Because scripture tells us, don't follow your heart, follow him. Follow Jesus. He said, come follow me. Leave your heart, because your heart, Jeremiah tells us, is deceitful above all else. But Jesus, we are people who are led by the Spirit. Be led by him. This morning, I want to encourage you that Paul and Silas refused to follow their heart. They had every right to follow their hearts. I'm so sick and tired of this abusing. In Acts 9, I turned to Jesus and I became blind. That's the worst altar call ever. Come to Jesus, you'll be made blind for a while. This sucks, man. Then the flipping apostles didn't want me, Silas. And then Barnabas was angry. Now I'm here in Acts 16 getting beaten. If it was Paul's heart, he's like, I'm out. But Paul and Silas refused to follow their hearts. They said, actually, in this moment, we're not going to refuse. We're not going to do it. We're going to lift our voices to him. Change our vantage point. A while ago, when Fiona and I fell pregnant, we had our baby, Olivia Grace, and I saw my incredibly stoic wife in terms of, emo- in terms of tears. I, in any movie, I'm weeping, and Fee is eating the popcorn like, what is wrong with this guy? I'm like in the opening credits, this is beautiful. She doesn't cry, and it's just not. We have a baby, and it's almost like as the hormones just were released, she just tears and flood of tears, and I'm crying as well. I'm like, I don't know what to do. You're crying. I'm crying. This is chaos. And uh, and I wanted to say in this moment, as hormones came, tears, anxieties, and legitimate things. But I, I think in those moments we realized we started not to not to now undermine what what the, the natural understanding of that moment, but saying actually the word of God is is faithful in every season, not just when we're doing well. But actually, this is a season for hormones and anxiety, so I can let that one go, you know? (laughs) No! So in that season, Fiona took up courage and said, actually, in this season, I'm going to read the word more. In this season, I'm going to go, because I can't trust my emotions, I'm going to go to the thing I can trust, the word of God. And she started to praise. And I want to tell you that you and I, we do do not have a season that is is exempt from praising God. We don't give them that luxury and actually take that off you, because if you do, you'll get very small very quickly. Maybe I can say it this way, our circumstances don't determine our praise. When I look at this story, I, I realize that our praise determines whether our circumstances become our prison or they become our passport. 
They become our obstacle or our opportunity. Praise does this. Praise takes us where we are, where we feel confined. Maybe on a Monday, my job feels like a prison. It feels like I'm just trying to make it through every week. I can't just, it feels, if only I had a new job, then I could serve you, God. But God's saying, no, no, no. The way you view it, if you start to praise in that season, I'll turn that prison into a passport. I'll turn it into opportunity. This morning, I want to remind us, whether it's your family situation, your season of loss, whether you're in the up or down, if you turn to praise, you say, actually, I'm going to praise even though I don't feel like it, watch what God will do with your perspective. Praise brings perspective. It'll either confine you or it'll release you. We've got the authority this morning. Point number two. Point number one is praise brings perspective. Point number two is praise brings purpose. Paul and Silas, as I look at the story, if I was them, I would have been Paul, and I would have obviously played the role of Paul, obviously. Um, I would have said, hey, you know what, Silas, this sucks. You know, this is slowing down the work of God. We were just getting going. Did you not see me getting all charismatic there? I turned and I said one word, bah, and that demon left that woman. You know, I was about to get all Benny Hinn on the crowd. Didn't you see me? I saw you. I saw you. I was getting amped. I was going to take my jacket off. And people were going to be falling over and charismatic further going. I was about to go. But then we get thrown in prison. Terrible, eh? Now we can't do anything. That's what I would have done. But actually... They don't respond that way. They respond differently. And I would suggest, as I've been saying again and again, how you view it allows God to use it. How you view it allows God to use it. You see, when our perspective changes, we realize that every circumstance can serve God's purpose. Every circumstance can serve God's purpose. Scripture says it this way. It says that what the enemy planned for evil, God can use for good. And in that everything is included. I want to set us free. There's no situation that's too far gone from God to be able to use it for His glory. Praise enables us to see that purpose. You see, we might seem changed. You and I might seem in your moment right now with relationship, with job, with finance, with pressure, with anxiety, with depression, with addictions. You might feel changed. The Word of God is never changed. If you turn to it, watch what He'll do. In this moment, let me tell you the incredible thing is that there's this line of underlined in my Bible as I read this, this passage. It said, as they started to sing hymns and pray to God, it says, and the other prisoners were listening. Wow, they just left out of me when I read it. And the other prisoners were listening. You see, too quickly we forget that it's not all about us. Too quickly we forget. You see, what happened when uh, my family, in 2003, we immigrated from Harare to Durban because of the, the political scene in the, those days. We were a family that had, my dad was an amazing man in the community. He had known many contacts. We lived in, a, in an acre property with another home across town. God had been very kind. And, and, and my dad in his mid-50s, because of situations, we decided to move. And we moved to Durban. And uh, what happened with, because of the economy, because of the taxation system, when we sold the two properties, we arrived in Durban with virtually nothing, which was a huge hit over my dad. I remember watching, it was almost like just being clubbed down, his legs taken out from underneath him, arrived there with virtually nothing. We arrived there, and my dad, I watched him for the period of a year, going from job interview to job interview with a CV pointing down and them saying, sorry, sir, you're too old. He's in his mid-50s at that stage. Uh, then he'll come out, he'll go into another one and say, great, we love you, but actually, can you give us some references? Yeah, they're all in Zimbabwe. Uh, sorry. 
We can't employ you. And for a year, I saw the confidence in a man who was so confident, who was a man who, had, who was a man of God, strong in every season. I started to see just his shoulders start to droop. And we actually were at the mercy of a kindness of a church there. And we lived for a year in the, granny, in the one-bedroom granny flat at the back of people's gardens, right at the back. I slept on the blood mattress in the lounge. But the amazing thing about my dad, he wasn't exuberant. He wasn't jumping off the ceiling at that stage. But my dad, every morning, I've told these stories, every morning he'll get up and he'll open the word of God, even though I know he didn't feel like it most days. He'll open the word of God and he'll pray. And I remember my dad would start to sing, just sing who God was. It wasn't this loud voice. It wasn't charismatic. It wasn't like oh, triumphalistic. It was just, this is who you've been. This is who you are. And I remember as the incredible thing, the power of that season. My dad will never look back at that year and go, I love that year. That was an awesome year. Let me tell you about 2003. It was wonderful. No, for my dad, it was a terrible year, a year that he wants to forget. The amazing thing, though, is at the age of 15, at that moment, I was a, a porn-addicted, insecure teenager who did not know Jesus for myself. And every day I arrived home from school, I left school, and I hear, leave with my dad reading scripture and singing and knowing that he was going to some more tough interviews. And I'd come home, and my dad would still be singing, washing up, and doing things in the house, not trying to get, get, draw attention, but trying to posture his heart and who God was. I was watching. Don't want to overplay it, but I tell you, in that moment, the people who lived in the house that we were living in, who did not know Jesus at that stage, and their two boys were watching. And subsequently, they've come to salvation. I found Christ in a dramatic way that was real, that wasn't just despite a, a froth and bubble. This thing will work for you. I knew that this wasn't based on circumstance. This was based on something that's higher. The prisoners were what listening. I want to say, who's listening in your life right now? Who's watching? There's a man, we tell the story, who was a man, incredible ministry in Durban, and he had a, a dramatic fall from grace and lost his ministry. And for multiple years, he joined a church called Glenridge, which is a big church, and he stood at the back. No one knew who he was, and he was his big name one day before, but now he was n almost a nobody, forgotten overnight. Then he stood at the back, and for, for year after year after year, he never came, never got the microphone, he never, no one really knew him. He came, worship would go home. And on the last day, as, as he met and God started to restore who he was and restore what he was called to, a few years later, they, the day they were praying him out because he was moving to Stellenbosch, where he, where he is now at a church there, to go and lead a church again. And they go over the microphone, he says, you guys don't know me. But he says, over the last multiple years, as you've worshipped, I've been healed. And then no one knew him. No one knew who was around him. I want to say on Sundays, when you lift your hand, despite how you feel, you don't know who's next to you who needs that. You don't know who's around you who needs your voice. On Mondays in your office, when you start singing your families, you don't know who's listening. That you don't know that praise brings purpose. You and I, sir, ma'am, unfortunately, our default settings is always to think that the favor from God, favor, that favor from God means things will go well for us. Let me smash that myth right now. You and I are favored, but the favor of God has nothing to do scripturally with circumstance. New covenantly, if you want to know if you're favored, don't look to your left, don't look to your bank account, don't look around you. Look up and see a father who's smiling and saying, I'm always with you. I'm always for you. No matter, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am with you. That is how you know you're favored because he is in your corner. We are favored. But don't lessen it to just say it's circumstantial alone. Because then you're going to go again and doubt about his character when the sun's not shining. Let me tell you, take hold of this weapon this morning. I'm going to ask the band to come up this morning as we finish land. Point three this morning, as they walk up, 
Point one is praise brings perspective. Point two, praise brings purpose. Finally, praise brings power. In that story, as we read it, it says, as they start to worship, all of them were listening, and then suddenly an earthquake comes and shakes and rattles the prison doors open, and it says all their chains came loose. All the prisoners' chains came loose that morning, that evening. There's a man, a friend of mine told me the story. He was a godly man, but he suffered with the shadow of depression for year after year after year and could not shake it. He would go for prayer, but nothing happened. He would try, but nothing seemed to shake this thing. And one day he said, enough's enough. I can't labor under the shadow for him any longer. So what he did, he said, actually, what I'm going to do, away from crowds, away from people, not trying to gather attention to himself, but actually saying, God, I'm lifting my eyes to you above the cloud right now. He said he walks into his garage, he shuts his garage, he turned on some music in his garage, and he said, I started to sing. He said, I felt stupid. He said, I didn't want to be doing that. I'm like, why am I doing this? doesn't really equate to time management, well-organized time management. But he started to sing. And he says, as he started to sing, he started to lift his hands in there. And he said, he started to feel courage start to come as he started to bound about a little bit in, in in the thing. And he started to whoop and started to shout and declare who God was as praise started to erupt from not just from here, but from here. As he started to say, this is who my God is despite what I see. As perspectives changed, as purpose started to come as being, power was released. And I want to tell you, that friend of mine walked out of that garage and he has not suffered from depression a day since. Praise brings power. Let me tell you in this way, our chains don't break our praise, our praise breaks our chain. This this morning as I look around, I honestly, maybe you're sitting here and I look at some circumstances and you're hearing the noise of an empty bank balance. You're hearing the noise of, of, of CVs returning with no response. You're hearing the noise of relationship chaos. You're hearing the noise of the enemy speaking. You're hearing the noise of your prison coming closer and closer. I tell you this morning, I hear the noise of chains coming loose. I hear the noise of chains coming loose. And I pray that you start to understand that as well with me this morning. Because the understanding for you and I is that we are in a war. This is wartime. This is not some time to sit back. Praise is a wartime weapon. Let me bash this one more fallacy. Is this, this, you know what? If it's his will, then God will. You know what? It's true, but actually, God says, my will is for you to take hold of me. Lay hold of me. Seek me with all your heart and you will find me. Seek him. Throw off the apathy. Throw off the, the uh, you know what? That's for charismatic people. Who cares? Stop defining yourself by what you're not or who you are. We're a people of praise because we're people who see him. Can I encourage us this morning, finally, that actually in the scripture, in the Old Covenant, where we do the Old Testament, we see the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel, whenever they had a battle in front of them, the 12 tribes of Israel were moving together, and they saw a battle, a big enemy starting to loom large in front of them. What they would do, who they sent first into the battle, was the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah, out of the 12, were the first ones to go in the battle. Why? Judah means praise. In, this, in the Bible, we get a pattern that when there was a battle, they sent out the tribe of praise first. I don't know about you, but I, I'm a man who that too often when I'm facing a battle, I send out the tribe of fear first. When I'm facing a battle, I send out the tribe of anxiety first. I send out the tribe of panic first. I send out the tribe of resentment, of frustration. Maybe it's just me, but I send out too often the wrong tribe first. When scripture says, will you trust me and send out the tribe of praise? This morning, I'm going to ask us to stand if that's all right. I believe some of you here 
are facing midnight, right now, in this, you, you, you know you're in the dark time. But I believe you're getting your song back today. I believe men and women who've been in apathy are getting their song back today. To sing with courage. To declare who God is. You see, it's, it's not a style. It's a heart response. It's not a moment. It's a lifestyle posturing our hearts towards that design. Sir, ma'am, your blueprint, no matter how far you've walked away, no matter how much you've given yourself to other uh, agendas, your blueprint design, you were made to worship Him. From the very beginning, you were, you were fashioned as the great architect God Himself, as He molded and shaped you together, was with a design to worship Him. Anything else falls short of your original design. Though the enemy may have stolen from you, maybe the enemy has seduced you into apathy, this morning I believe people here are getting new perspective. Sir, ma'am, trade your perspective for a new one. This morning, sir, ma'am, trade your purpose for a new one. Trade the power that you've been running towards for a new one. A power called praise that's going to break. And praise, though, is not a response. It's actually us saying, God, we trust you alone. Not our strength. Can we lift our hands in this moment? I'm going to ask us, we're going to sing this moment, one one more song this morning. But for us to posture and say, Jesus, would this moment transcend into my Mondays? Will this moment transcend into my darkest moments? Will this one transcend and become my new response system in this moment? So, Father, I pray this morning, I thank you, Father God. As we worship you, I thank you, Father. Would we, you come and put a new response in us? Give us new perspective, new power, new purpose, Jesus. As we choose that there's two times to praise you, when we feel like when we don't. I thank you for this in this moment. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He rests. Himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles as voice, and trembles as voice. How great is our God! Sing with me, how great is our God! Oh, we'll see how great.
this morning as we stand here that want to tell you how the story ends the story ends not just with them singing not just with their, their chains coming loose the story ends with a man who was their captor running in and going what happened here what happened they said no we're still here he's about to kill himself they said don't kill yourself there's a bigger purpose and this man they ended up leading this man their praise ended up leading their captor to the lord not just him, his whole household. Let me tell you this this morning, that praise unleashes the power of the gospel. Through, the, through their praise, salvation came to a family that did not know it before. Let me tell you, the purpose of his power is for people to see his glory. This morning as we land, I want to tell you, I bought a pair of shoes this week. I'm not wearing them because I did put them on this morning until I realized that I'd been sold, though it was the same brand, there were two different makes. One had cloud foam in it and one didn't. So I was feeling like a lopsided giraffe this morning. It's like this, surely no one will notice if I walk in like this. One was higher than the other. Bizarre. I almost still wore them because they looked that good. But anyway, I didn't. But as I put them on this morning, I felt silly. It might sound very cheesy, but I honestly believe that there are people here who have been walking with one foot in the world and one foot in a different shoe trying trying to make this thing happen. But God is saying today, I'm shifting your whole agenda into my story. I believe today is a day of trading shoes, of taking that one off and saying, even though it looks to everyone else, I've got this together. I'm taking it off so I can walk with Him. This morning, if you're here, whether it's the first time or it's the understanding, say, I'm recommitting myself to His story. If you're saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. I'd love you to lift your hands to Him so I can pray for you. Lift your hands to Him if you're here. Cool. Cool. Father, right now, I thank you. As hands go up, it's a symbolic gesture of a trading of shoes. So I may have been running with this group of people, but actually I'm going to run with these people. I may have been running with this agenda and this focus. I'm changing my agenda. But God, ultimately, it may have been I've been running away from you. Today I'm running towards you. I thank you, Father God, today there's a new language. It's a language of praise, a response of praise, which is not a style or a song. It's a posture of our hearts that says, Jesus, it's you. Not our circumstance that determines my happiness or joy. It's not my ability to make this thing happen. It's you alone. I thank you, Father God. Hearts, whether it's for the first time or for the hundredth time, are saying, Jesus, we take off that shoe and I run with you. So I thank you, Father, this morning that praise is bringing new perspectives, new purposes, and new power this morning. And we choose to run with that weapon today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.